Okay, everybody, welcome back to the One Before I Die podcast. Welcome into episode 154. We are back for another one here, loaded episode coming at you. Um, been preaching it for a while now, but the Sabres are finally back in action this Thursday. The regular season will come, and it is coming quickly here, so they will be finally in action. We'll be talking about that. But before we do get into the Buffalo Sabres, Obviously here to talk about the Buffalo Bills once again, coming off of a huge win against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38 to three, an absolute stomping, absolute clinic put on the team, put on by the team. Um, so we'll talk about that game, the second Bills home game of the year. And then uh, a look ahead to probably the biggest game of the year up to this point against the Chiefs uh, next week in Arrowhead. Um, as we're recording this, the Chiefs are about to kick off against the Raiders, so I don't know how they fared yet. Um, obviously, I, as you guys are listening to this, you guys know how they did against the Raiders, if they still only have one loss like the Bills. But um, obviously, the biggest game of the year so far um, will be next week in, in Kansas City. One seen the AFC on the line, probably. It, probably major implications for that, so um, huge one there. But that's what the episode's looking like. We got, uh, you know, Bills recap as always, Bills look ahead, uh, and then Sabres preview. And then actually on top of uh, the Bills preview and, and recap, there were a little bit of a, a rumor mill swirling around on Monday here. So talk about that a little bit as we uh, do our Bills breakdown. But as always, before we get into that, we'll introduce Ethan. Ethan over in Chicago. Throw it over to him real quick. Ethan, how you doing? Good. I had a great weekend, as I'm assuming most Bills fans did. 38 to three. How on the money was my prediction? What did I say? 38 to 10. I don't remember. You said, I said 40, I said 41 to 20. So, I mean, we were both in that realm of uh, a, a lot of points, but go back and listen. I'm pretty sure I specifically called out no garbage time touchdown. You did. And <laughs> defense stepped up for me. No garbage time, no TDs at all. So, I mean, Unbelievable weekend. Ready. I don't for know if you're. Uh, I don't know if your mic is uh, attached or if you're just talking through the computer audio. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> Happens every week, folks. 154 episodes in, the guy doesn't know how to how to use a microphone. Um, apologies if he's coming off staticky off the off the off the jump here, but um, he's figuring it out over there as he's just basking in his glory of, of predicting no, no touchdown garbage time by the Steelers. Did he figure it out? Is this better? I mean, it doesn't sound bad. Test, I don't, I don't... test, test. Nah, this mic isn't uh -oh. working. Right I mean, now. you're just using the, it doesn't sound bad. You're just using the computer audio though. It's, it's definitely not the mic. Okay. This is it. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That sounds yeah. better. All right. <laughs> All right. This is going to look bad. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the bedroom right now, not at my normal setup. I had my mic plugged, <laughs> my USB, my, or excuse me, my mic is in a USB and I had it plugged into the Ethernet, just hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not, not, just not a good look. Not a good look. <laughs> so it was not even plugged into the right slot. As you're, as you're just bragging about, as you're just like, like patting yourself on the back about your, your prediction, too. It's just. <laughs> Move on here. We got Sabres this week. We got a nice Bills W. And I'm just all over the place. So let's, let's keep this train going here. All right. So there's Ethan chiming in for you. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get right into this episode here. And we'll start with the Steelers, the Bills victory over the Steelers, as you know, we were just kind of alluding to their um, final score of 38 to three. Kenny Pickett's first start in the in the National Football League for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, 
And, uh, and I guess we can, we'll start out with short-term, long-term here, as we always do. If you don't know what that is, uh, we give our short-term thoughts about after or or short-term thoughts on the bills after watching the specific game that we're going to talk about. And then we kind of step back and give our long-term thoughts on it. I don't know if our short-term and and long-term thoughts are going to be too much different after this game. I don't know if anything's really changed after this game. Um, so I guess I'll start with the short-term, but to be honest, like, we both predicted there's not a lot of times on this podcast, right, where we do our game previews and we're pretty much like not necessarily on the money, but pretty much like the game went exactly how we thought it would go. And so we're sitting here now both predicting 38 plus points and an absolute stomping. I think last week's episode, we were just like, there's no way this should be close. Like, I feel like every time we, we do one of these, it shouldn't be close. Like if we if we're going to kill them, blah, 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 like it's usually a pretty close game. This time they actually just killed them and, and it was everything that we thought was going to happen. Um, so short-term thoughts here, the, the team is still the same team. They're, they're in a role here. They, they got that grinded out win in, in Baltimore. And then they took care of business as they should against the Steelers. This team is what they, what we thought they were. And, and they're just on a roll here and, and they're gearing up for this game in Kansas city. So I don't know, there's maybe some speculation that like with the injury report this past Sunday, a lot of starters out. Like, are we, you know, maybe taking the Steelers a little lightly? Maybe these guys aren't as banged up as, and they could maybe play through. Maybe we're just kind of trying to rest these guys. Didn't matter. Um, I mean, literally the first, you know, play of the game or whatever, we get backed up after a Taiwan Jones, like fumble on the kickoff, get it on the two yard line. And we throw a 98 yard touchdown pass to Gabe Davis. And since then it was just kind of, it was kind of over. They muff a punt. Um, so short-term thought for me before I throw it over you is, this team is exactly, you know, who we thought they were before the going into this game. They're still just an absolute force in the NFL and an unstoppable beast as, uh, as they go right now. So that's, that's my short-term thoughts here. I think my short-term, excuse me. I think my long-term lines up pretty nicely to what you just said for your short-term. My short-term is I'm going to take it a little bit more detailed and I'm going to say number one, Khalil Shakir is the second coming of Cole Beasley. And two, Matt Milano is the best player on the Bills defense. And he's the most important player on the Bills defense. The, I know, you know, everybody, I'll start out with Matt Milano because everybody knows I'm the number one Matt Milano fan on the planet. He's my favorite player on the Bills for what, a couple of seasons now. I've been on this train for a while. And I've always said that he's, you know, super underrated impact player X factor. But I think this season is proving that he is literally the best player on this defense. He is all over the field week in and week out. You see guys going down. Edmonds was out this week. Poyer's out this week. Still don't have Trey white, you know, Hyde's gone for the year. This guy's playing every week and he's making plays every week. You could tell that he is, He's just an absolute freak, and I think he's even better this year than he was last year. I don't know. Is that crazy for me to say? I just think he's No, I think he's better. I think he's, well, he's healthy, too, this year, so he's playing every game so far, which is just like when he's healthy, he's just that's what he is. Like, usually he's – and knock on wood, usually hits a few road bumps here, right? Like, he's just been healthy, and I think that's his best ability because when he's out there, he's great. Yeah, I think – I literally think he's the best player on this defense. I think if there was one player – that was going to go down that would really impact this team the most. I think it would be him. Um, And I, you know, I'd love to hear an argument against it, but until I see differently, like he is the best player on this defense. Now on the offensive side of the ball, I think, I mean, Khalil Shakir, he gets his first real 
looks of the year and takes full advantage. I thought, you know, when we got Jamison Crowder, that he was going to kind of look like Shakir has over the first four weeks of the season, right? I mean, Crowder was pretty much, I hate to say, outside of the punt returns, which I was, I loved him returning punts because he's a veteran, sure-handed. He's not going to break one, but you just feel comfortable with him back there. Outside of him returning punts, he didn't really bring much to the table, in my opinion, throughout the first four or five weeks of the season. He breaks his ankle. Shakir gets his look. He takes full advantage. Already scores a touchdown. He's making these plays over the middle. You know, he's catching the ball in the slot and turning up field, getting yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. He, he's wearing that number 10 jersey. It just reminded me of Cole Beasley being back out there. And it's like, okay, I don't mind. Jameson Crowder kind of going down and letting this guy get some reps now. Yeah, well, to, to me, the first thing that I noticed was Shakir, and this will kind of uh, segue into my, my long-term thoughts after this game, but was this guy is like way faster than I thought he was. I think it was maybe his second catch of the game because I think the first one he had was well, that, like That's over why the... he's Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley's like that too. He's not like, they're not but he, you but he's way, but he But even just like, Obviously Beasley, was more, obviously, Beasley was more at the end of his career when we got him. But to me, Shakir jumped out as his, like his acceleration and his quickness was I, I didn't know anything about him before. He didn't play as, as much yet. But as I was saying, his first catch, I think, was over the middle when there's three guys around, made an unbelievable catch, jumping up, getting the ball and obviously gets tackled right away. I think the second catch he made was kind of a little out route and it amazed me. And then he took like he got like 20 yards of yak after that catch. It, it I didn't realize how fast he could get going. And then once he got going, how fast he was, which I, I think is something that the Bills offense has lacked from the wide receiver position. Diggs is obviously an unbelievable player, unbelievable route runner. His yak is sometimes it's really good, but it's it's sometimes sketchy. It's it's not great. Like it's kind of weird almost. Davis the same way. He's not really a big yak guy. Like Shakir was motoring up the field once he got the ball. Obviously, he did have that one drop that hit him right in the hands, but that was his only mishap. Um, but I completely agree with you. Like this guy comes in and it's looking like a Wally Pip situation in that slot for for Crowder. I, I think if Crowder obviously broke an ankle, if he comes back and is ever able to play again this year, I don't know how much how many more looks he's gonna get if Shakir keeps playing this way. And segueing that into my long term, Gabe Davis is back. Like, first of all, we were kind of dogging him a little bit last week, saying he had the yips with the catches. He wasn't playing fully healthy. Um, we were saying, I don't care what your ankle's feeling like when it hits you in the hands, you got to make the catch. It, all right, you know, sorry, like back off a little bit, I guess, because, you know, he, he was clearly back this week. And also last week, we talked about how we both are on the same page with the Bills need to go out and get another skill guy. And, and they need to get another weapon. And and I'm not necessarily backing off that take. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pulling out of that take. But the way that Shakir played and the way that Davis ba- bounced back, it, it made me second guess a little bit. I, I, I think they still should maybe go out and, and get another piece because of the injuries. But the way that the offense played and the way that these guys performed, like made me think long term that if this was the core and, and these guys stayed healthy, if it was Diggs, Davis and Shakir staying healthy for the rest of the year, like long term, I think that could be OK. I really do. This game showed me it, and I know it was against the Steelers team. That's not good. But it was just those little things that I talked about with Shakir, like the way he looked, it just looked like this thing could just go on for a long time and we'd be okay. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to bounce completely off of that take. I think, you know, another piece could still definitely help. It never hurts, but I'm, I'm, I am pulling back a little bit because I think if these guys are healthy, I I think our offense is still just as elite as, as it can be with these guys playing. So that's a little bit more of my long-term take where, you know, these three guys, man, 
it's something special. And the way Josh is playing, I mean, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of want to get into that because I think my long my long term take is it's kind of boring. It's where nothing's changed really. I mean, my long term outlook on the season before the Steelers game and now after the Steelers game has literally not changed one bit. Um, I think the Steelers might be the worst team in the league this year. Um, they have hot clear take. issues. You what? You don't think that's a hot take? No, I think it is a hot take. <laughs> oh, I I think they're they might get the number one pick overall. I this team stinks. I think Kenny Pickett um, actually. This is going to be crazy to say because didn't score a touchdown. I think Kenny Pickett's going to be good. Yeah, I think he looked good. On I Sunday. I think he could be fine, but it's like Allen's first year. Right where it's like, yeah, they're I, not the they're not the worst team though. I think I, that defense without TJ Watt is different. They're built different in a way that's terrible, <laughs> and <laughs> and they had some. I think they had some injuries in the secondary as well. I mean, the Bills did whatever they wanted yesterday, and I think Najee Harris is bad. Uh, I think their receivers for like how much hype they get stink. Like Chase. Claypool, that guy, I would hate having him on my team. Like that, that's a classic guy that just thinks he's so good, but he's just so mediocre. Anyway, this isn't a Steelers podcast. Nothing has changed for me in, in, in my perception of the Bills as far as, you know, are they gonna go to the Super Bowl? How you know, how far are they gonna go at the end of the year? This game hasn't changed anything. They came in. I basically predicted exactly what was gonna happen. I predicted 38 to 10. They won 38 to 3. So they, you know, shoved it in my face a little bit, but they are who I thought they were. Um, we got Kansas City up next, so let's go get a W there. I want to turn the page because what you said, you're talking about the skill guy because I think I brought this up last week. Is, I forgot if it was my short-term or long-term, but I said, you know, if the Bills are going to contend and win a Super Bowl, they need to add an offensive weapon. And I still think that's true, and I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. Based on the resurgence of Gabe Davis, I love, you know, my X factor again, uh, how he came out and – really shut us up and hopefully he's back and doesn't have this ankle issue lingering throughout the rest of the year. And then Shakir comes out and has a nice game. I'd like to see him string a couple together, even though I already deemed him the next Cole Beasley. But <laughs> I think my take now is with let's segue this into this is I'm just doing an unreal segue job is with the rumors coming in about Christian McCaffrey, possibly being on the radar for the bills front offense front office. I was talking about OBJ in the receiver room last week. I think the skill player now, if you can land at Christian McCaffrey, I think getting somebody in the running back room might be the move over getting someone in the receiver room like an OBJ. All right, so and real I know, quick. I know Christian McCaffrey is a different level, but yeah, go ahead. Real quick, um, I do just want to say that, uh, so there was obviously multiple reports. The Bills reach out to, to the Panthers. I think that's been debunked because we got, I'm looking at actually sent you this tweet, Dan Feets. He's like a, I think he's actually like a Rochester sports guy. Um, but there, there was other guys who, who, uh, you know, reported that the bills reached out to the Panthers, but he tweeted out like four hours ago saying a source has confirmed to me that the bills have reached out to the Panthers about running back Christian McCaffrey. He then quote tweeted it, you know, not too too much later saying the bills responded to our report and say they have not reached out to the Panthers about Christian McCaffrey. So, well, let's just humor. Let's us. just act like it did. Right. And yeah. because, because the, here's the thing, 
the Panthers fired their coach today. And basically, regardless if the Bills reached out or not, I'm pretty sure they've like reached out and said, we're trying to sell our team. Like they're, they're tanking, I, I think is the thing. Cause it, it wasn't just Bills that I read on Twitter. There's other fan bases saying like, right, reports saying Christian McCaffrey's up for sale. It, yeah, they're I looking. Can't, to I can't sell. imagine they're, McCaffrey wants to stay there either. No, I mean, I think they're kind of tanking, whatever, whatever. Let's just humor it. Like you said, obviously, I think Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey would be an unbelievable pickup. I also think it would fit perfect considering I think I read something where he's not like owed a ton of money this year. So from a cap hit perspective, like I think it's something we can do. And then also just think about the Panthers, because I was kind of reading a little bit more to like if they're kind of selling guys. And and I know you were kind of going off the running back room here, but if we are still looking for another wideout, like what's DJ Moore going to cost us? Like that's a good receiver that would, I think, be nasty on our team as well. Like if the Panthers are a team that is looking to shell out guys, you know, McCaffrey's not the only one over there that's pretty good. They're, they're a quarterback kind of a way that to, to having a decent offense, I feel like. And they've been trying to do this thing with Darnold and Mayfield. Obviously, that hasn't worked. But they got some good, decent skill guys over there where, you know, CMC's obviously on everybody's list, but – DJ Moore is a hell of a player as well. So uh, it could be a little uh, a good match right there. And obviously the Panthers yeah. and Bills have had this crazy pass where it's like we get every one of their guys. But, I mean, if we want to humor the McCaffrey stuff a little bit more, I'll let you go on that because obviously he's the he's the big fish in this situation. Uh, the difference is when you go with one of the one of these Packers – or excuse me, Panthers guys versus the OBJ route is you're going to have to give up something to get these guys versus OBJ. Yep. It's just a pure free agent signing. Now, I don't even know when OBJ is expected to be ready to play football again because he is coming off, what, an ACL injury. I'm guessing not till like, November he would even be able to suit up at this point, which is, you know, fine because you're getting this guy for a playoff run. You don't care. You you hopefully are going to win enough games now where it's not going to matter if he's playing now or, or later. But what would you give up for a Christian McCaffrey? I don't know anything about his contract. Um, you know, is what does he have like a couple of years left? I'm guessing. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I just I just read what I was saying is I read that he's owed less than a million dollars this year somehow. So sure, that- that's fine for this year, but I can't imagine the Panthers getting rid of Christian McCaffrey without getting a first round pick back plus more. Like there's no way you're getting Christian McCaffrey for a second round pick or a third round. You know, like this is you're gonna have to give up some good ass. Like there's no way the Bills are gonna lose the first round pick. I think for sure. All right, here's, after Christian McCaffrey. here's my take on the situation. I'm not good with potential, you know, what, oh, what do we want to give up for this guy? Like, I, whenever we have these conversations, whenever there's like, oh, rumors for Sabres or Bills, like, I'm never good at like, I always say, like, I'm that's why there's other people that do this stuff. I'm not a GM, I'm not a fan to talk about the team that does a podcast for fun. So I'm never good at, you know, trying to, I, I'm more like good at reacting to trades and saying, like, was that like, you know, did we give up too much or was that a solid trade? I'm not good at predicting what it could be. All well, I'll say on hard, this situation. It's hard to ask a question. Would you go and get a Christian McCaffrey? No, no, no I'll like, say. Yeah, I'll, sure. If you're going to give him to me, no question. But like, no, no, no what I'm saying, what you're going to give up. All I'm saying is with that being said. Like this Bills team is built to win the Super Bowl now. So would I if potentially a first round was given up plus more and we got McCaffrey back reacting to that? Would I be met? Probably not. Like, that's kind of where I'm getting at. Like, I, I don't know what it would take, what it would do, but it, just thinking about McCaffrey on the Bills, assuming we don't give up any of our key players, which I don't think that Brandon B would ever do in a trade like this. This is something where we'd probably mortgage the future. Listen, we have this team to win right now, and we are primed to win the Super Bowl. Like, 
I would be fine with it. I think that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, I don't know what it would take, but whatever it does take in Loggins, it's not someone that's a key player to this team. Like, how can you not be excited about McCaffrey coming to your team when you know you have the potential to win the Super Bowl? Like, we talked about it in the preview. We talked about it for for so long now. We it's building up to this year. We we lost. We get handled by the Chiefs two years ago. Last year we should have won on a fluke. Like, we are ready to win the Super Bowl. So if you get a McCaffrey, like. I really don't care, I guess, what it's giving up as long as it's not affecting the immediate roster. You got to mortgage the future sometimes. That's what the Rams did, and they won the Super Bowl last year. No, that's a fair point. I just think... Maybe not mortgage the future, like, too much, but you know what I'm saying? Like, all I'm trying to say is, like, I don't know. Like, McCaffrey it's, it's very enticing. A different, it's a, it is very enticing. The thing that gives me pause, though, is McCaffrey is just a different beast. He's not... He's just he's injured so much, right? Where it's like, you're giving up a lot for a guy that could be out for the season before you even get to the playoffs. So he so has, so his contract risk. is, uh, I, I don't, I don't really know how these work. He's a UFA in 2026, but there's a potential out after this year. Can he like opt out type thing? Yeah. I think that's the same that like the Von Miller contract was like in the NFL. It's all about guaranteed money, right? Like you're guaranteed X amount of money. And if you play a certain amount of years, like the way it's my understanding with the Von Miller contract was that, you know, it was a, what was it? A six year deal or something like that. But he has him or the bills have an option to opt out after like the second or third year. So he's only guaranteed like the first two or three years of that contract where I think it's the same as McCaffrey where he's, you know, no, he's under contract until what'd you say, 2026, but there's mm-hmm. these different opt-out periods where I think either him or the team have the option to say, well, you know, we're gonna get rid of we're we're not gonna move forward with this contract. Yeah, so, so I, I guess I'm maybe guessing, that would yeah, I'm guessing you know. the Panthers are saying or the, you know, maybe they're having conversations with McCaffrey and they say, you know, based on the structure of contract that you know, next year there's an opt-out. We're guessing we're probably not going to be on the same page. You're probably going to want to get out of here because we're going to be. So they're trying to salvage that. Yeah, I think that they're probably doing all they can to, you know, get some assets for the guy before he walks away from this contract. And now, you know, maybe that puts a little bit more leverage in Brandon Bean's court if you're going to go out and get him, knowing that they have to go, um, you know, they'd rather get something for him rather than nothing. But yeah, I mean, I think McCaffrey, if you're just talking about him as a player, would fit so nicely on this Bills team because he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's, you know, he's kind of, he's played on some pretty bad teams. And, you know, for a team that can't run the ball because our offensive run blocking is pretty heinous at points, you know, McCaffrey's a guy that can get something out of nothing, make guys miss. And I think this offense would be insane if you add a healthy Christian McCaffrey to it. How do you even game plan for that? I mean, it would open up so many different things that would just take it to the next. It would be unstoppable, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no disagreeing over here on that. I mean, he's a he's a game changer. If he if he came to the Bills, regardless of what it took or whatever, if he just talking about him on the field, he comes to the Bills, he's a game changer, and he would be electric. You'd get him in a screen, get him out in the uh, you know open field, like you said, catching passes. That's what he's that's what he's best at, and that's what the Bills need out of a running back. So I mean, and I'm I guessing don't know. I guess the rumors has... are, are false, but if that happened, man, I mean, I mean, watch out. And I'm guessing he already has some sort of relationship with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and he'd probably fit right in with the team. Like I think it'd be a perfect match. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, 
we'll move on from that. Those are some rumor mills swirling that I guess were debunked, but who knows? I think Panthers are for sure trying to get rid of these guys, as kind of Ethan just pointed out there. And uh, and last thing I'll say is don't don't sleep on maybe a DJ Moore or a different piece. I don't know. I don't maybe there's not really anyone else I would rather have than McCaffrey or DJ Moore. I don't know if I want like Robbie Anderson or like anyone else on that team, but I guess just watch out for that. Um I'm moving ahead here to round out our Bills talk. As I did say at the beginning of the episode, Bills will travel to Arrowhead next week to play the Chiefs um, Sunday, 425 slot game. I believe it is 425 Eastern, um, not primetime, which is kind of crazy for a, for a Bills-Chiefs matchup. But um, biggest game of the year, obviously. Uh, we won in Arrowhead last year, lost in the playoffs. Uh, mini rivalry brewing over the past couple of years with Alma Holmes, all the, all the matchups they've had, and it's going to be a good one. Um, I think it's, it's hard to debate that these aren't the two best teams in the AFC, if not the NFL. So mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a huge, huge game for, for that one seat coming down the line in the AFC, which is obviously a huge home field advantage. It seems like whenever we play the Chiefs, it's always in Arrowhead and never in Buffalo, whether it's regular season or playoffs. So, I mean, getting them to Buffalo would be huge. But um, what are your initial thoughts on this game? What, what are you looking for here? And obviously, as we said, you know, we're recording this as that game goes on, the Raiders and Chiefs, so we don't know what they did yet or how they look. But assuming that they probably look, uh, you know, like they usually do and Holmes doing his crazy, crazy plays and everything, it seems like they're going to be ready to go next week. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, I think a lot of Bills fans going into this game is just to stay level-headed because, I, you know, I, we always put so much stock into these matchups, right? Bills Chiefs, it's been going on for years now. Alan Mahomes, the theatrics, the, you know, the storylines, the history. You know, to me, it's like, let's stay level-headed here and kind of remember how last season went. I mean, we had a similar situation last year where both teams started out hot. Uh, now, you know, now, Chiefs did not start out hot. <laughs> what were they going into the Bills game? They had like two losses already. Okay, well, whatever. The Chiefs were a complete opposite, actually. They start off slow and finish very hot. <laughs> the Bills start out a little slow, too, losing to the Steelers in week one. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so you were off on both fronts. Both teams did well, the not Bills start Well, the Bills rattled hot. off like four in a row, and then they play, came, played the Chiefs. Anyway, it's a similar <laughs> situation. Both teams are Super Bowl contenders. There you top go. two quarterbacks in the league. And it's an early, like, I think we played them like week five or six last year, too. Can you agree with that? <laughs> I think, yeah, it was probably like week four, week four or five. Yeah, exactly. And I think the aura around that game, and that was with the Allen Hurdle. And I think, was it a Sunday night game, maybe? It was, yeah, it was just, Collinsworth. you know, on a pedestal. And when you look back on the season, it meant nothing, right? The Bills lost the game that mattered against the Chiefs. So my thing is, is obviously you want the Bills to win this. I mean, this could be a tiebreaker down the stretch for home field advantage, as you just said. We're always playing an arrowhead. This game's an arrowhead. Last year was an arrowhead. In the playoffs, it was an arrowhead. So, I mean, this could be massive playoff implications by the end of the year, but remember that it is only one game in the regular season, right? And to stay level-headed and not treat it any differently, I think, than any other game, even though it is going to be a big game, but it's not that big of a game if that makes any sense well i mean i think it's a pretty big game i I think it's i know what you're saying you have to be able like if we win this game again you can't be uh 
free. It's, like we won the Super Bowl already. Exactly. And on the opposite end, if we lose this game, it's not the sky is falling. We'll get them again in the playoffs. Like we're going to have to beat this team again in the playoffs. If we get blown out, then it's like, yeah, we're going to have to. But I mean, if we, if we end up losing this game, it can't. I'm not going to let. I'm not going to personally let this bother me where it's like, oh, no, we're all doomed. There's so much season left. There's so many things that could change. And maybe we're better off if we lose now than later. I do, you know yeah, what I'm saying? No, no, just, no. Just keep absolutely. a level headed. Hey, I, I completely know what you're saying. Um, it is definitely a big game just for that one seed. Like I, like I keep saying, like to to me, to be honest, like that was one thing that I never really, you know, thought put too much stake in. I was like, oh, one seed or not, whatever. You just got to win. Like the home field advantage is pretty important. So, and obviously, even if we do lose. We could, you know, they could lose down the line. We can still get the one seed. Even if we win, we can lose down the line. Like like you're saying, it's only week six. Like a lot can go, you know, differently. I mean, we won last year, obviously, and didn't get the one seed. So it's not like everything, you know, the one seed doesn't bank on this game. Um, but it is it is almost like a good um what's the term? Like a like a measuring stick game. Because because you know, we played the Rams week one and and obviously we you know defending Super Bowl champions, but the Rams haven't looked great. I think the Ravens was a really good win, and I think the Ravens are a good team, and, and I think we've had some quality wins so far, but I think this is a good, you know, it, the, the first few weeks of the season are gone. Everyone's settled into what they are. You know, the, the Chiefs lost to the Colts, but they they bounced back, and, and they've kind of you know, rounded back into form of their elite team that they are. And so right now it's kind of a measuring stick right before the bye um, of, you know, how we line up against these playoff caliber teams that we're going to be seeing later in the year. And like you said, regardless if we win or lose, it isn't the end of the world either way. Um, there's a lot of season left, but it is, you know, always fun to play a team like this in this mini rivalry that we have. And there's a lot of theatrics that go into it, but there's a reason for that kind of stuff. So um, looking forward to it. And uh, I mean, I guess if we want to like talk about the actual game now, like we we know mm-hmm. like what it means, and everything. But in terms of the matchups and everything, like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a high flying game. I mean. It, it's it's Allen Mahomes. I mean, I, I don't see Allen slowing down anytime soon. Um, I think the I think I think where we have an advantage here, and I I feel like we say this every time, but I mean the Chiefs' defense doesn't scare me, and I think our defense is is solid, especially now that we have a more of a pass rush and the changes that we made, and obviously hides out. But hopefully we've rested these guys for the Steelers game. Hopefully Poyer plays. Hopefully Edmonds plays. Which real quick, I do want to give a shout out to Dodson. I think he played unbelievable yesterday, but that's yeah, just a little bit of a sidebar. Um, but I think our defense, like, I mean, we, we both know that both offenses are very, very good. I think that's where we have the edge is defense. And, and maybe I sound like a broken record and maybe everyone's saying this and maybe it's too obvious of a thing to say, but that chief's defense doesn't really scare me. And I think ours has a better chance, especially without Tyreek Hill on the other side yeah, to, to kind of slow them down and, 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 you know, play at the pace that we want to. So I do like our kind of mojo here. I think I did project them to, to lose this game in the preview, but I don't really know where my head's at now. I might, I might, you know, switch that up. I don't know where you're at. I forgot what I did in the preview as well. I mean, I like to see, and you kind of touched on this a little bit. I'm going to be keying on Von Miller. He's our shiny new toy. He's the, he's the one thing that hasn't, I feel like, it's it's kind of like when we do these Bills Chiefs previews. We you like you're saying we talk about the same thing where it's like, yeah, you gotta let you gotta contain Mahomes and you gotta you know get to the uh, quarterback and you gotta outscore this team. You know what I'm saying? It's like the same kind of storylines. <laughs> Von Miller's the one thing that hasn't been around over the last couple of years, right? 
it's a leader on the pass rush coming off the edge in your mouth, a guy that's been there, won Super Bowls, seen what it takes to be elite quarterbacks. I'm going to be interested to see how he performs in a game like this against the Chiefs and what yeah, he kind well, of brings to the to the defense. And like, if anything, right? Like, I, I don't know what the Chiefs did in terms of their defense. I don't think they made any splashes in the offseason or any trades. I think it's pretty much that same defense. I mean, I've watched a couple of their games this season. I've sailed Chris Jones. Um, I mean, Tyron Matthews not there anymore. But in terms of like bigger, you know, guys that maybe make a difference, I don't think they did anything. So if you if you really look at it, right, we add Von Miller. They lose Tyreek Hill. Like, if anything, right. it's 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 more of an advantage for us. Like, that's the bit. Those are the big two, you know, acquisition and and guys leavings right there. Like, you would think that you know takes towards our favor. Now, obviously, Mahomes can go absolutely ballistic, and it doesn't matter. But if you're just looking at things here and just, you know, what's different about this year from last year is we got an elite pass rusher, which is what we missed, and they lost their best receiver, which is what really, really hurt us. So in the way we've been playing, like, I, that's just kind of where I'm at. Like, it just feels feels good going into this one. Why, why were you laughing at me during my analysis? What? I wasn't laughing at you. <laughs> but I was talking about the story. <laughs> no, because no, you're like, no, because you're like, it's always the same storylines. You know, you got to get to the pass or you got to outscore the other team. It was just like the most, like, it's yeah, like obviously. Rob Ray's key to the game. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Speaking um, of Rob Ray's key to the games, I think we got to move on to the Sabres here. Yeah, let's get our predictions in this one and then we'll move on to the Sabres. Give me your prediction for this game on uh, next Sunday. I mean, you're going to have to outscore him and you're going to have to get to the passer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think the Bills are going to do both of those things. Um, I think it's going to be lower scoring, though, than people think for some weird reason. I don't have a I don't have any, you know, statistics or, you know, analysis behind that. That's just a gut feeling. I'm going to say. The Bills win. Twenty six to twenty three. I like it. Yeah, and that's actually kind of like a common misconception from last year's playoff game where obviously it ended up being so high scoring. Before that scoring frenzy at the end of the game, I think it was low-key, like in the low 20s. And then obviously there was like a million touchdowns scored within the last like three minutes. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be a field goal frenzy. But uh, uh, yeah, just like can't finish in the red zone or something like that kind of suck. Uh, all right. I like it. I'll go, I'll go bills 31. I don't think I've predicted the bills to score less than 30 points yet this year. Um, I'm just going to stay there with it. I've been liking 31 a lot too. I'm going to go 31. Uh, we'll go, uh, we'll go 28, 31, 28 bills over chiefs. Is that what they, Never mind. What is that? What the, they beat us by last year. Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. I don't know. It was something similar. I don't know. I feel like 31 28 is always in the in the mix for Bills game. So yeah, I'm just going right. to go with that. But I, I do like the Bills winning by a slight, slight little margin here. So I think I do flip flop on that. I think I did. I think that was my thing going into the season. I was like, all right, the, the Bills are going to lose this game in the regular season, then beat them in the playoffs. But whatever. They're going to beat them both times um, as I'm sitting here talking about this. Um, but let's move on to the Sabres here. All right. On to the Sabres here. Uh, uh, onto the as we were saying, Rob Ray's keys to the game. <laughs> um, Sabres start Thursday, obviously. So we're gonna sit here, talk a little bit of Sabres, Sabres preview, uh, go over what we think of the team, all that jazz, as we usually do. Unfortunately, we don't have Marshall with us this year, but hopefully, you can come on later this year. Um, once the Sabres season gets cooking, he did text me that he wanted to come on. He is on his honeymoon, though, so I don't, 
I didn't want to oh, bother God. him. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get him on at some point. So this shout week. out Marshall on his honeymoon. Got married. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to him. Um, but yeah, looking forward to this game. First game Thursday against Ottawa, I believe it is. Right. And it's the home opener as well. Uh, Ottawa revamped team as well. But looking at the Sabres team, the, the roster was officially announced today. Yesterday, as you guys are listening, uh, first and foremost, Ukapekalukin and Lawrence Pilot both sent down to the Amherst. Um, I know you're probably not happy about that. I mean, I knew it was coming. It, you're chirping me all season about, oh, he's going to have a chance to make the team. He plays unbelievable in preseason, still gets sent down. It was it was never UPL in, in the <laughs> NHL, <laughs> of course, especially after Comrie was signed. So, whatever. Um, Oliver Nadu was uh, sent back to the QMJHL, and then forward Riley Sheehan has been placed on injured reserve. Um, before I actually announce the the <laughs> roster here, we got to announce the captains were announced, right? Yeah. Kyle Oposo got the C, Rasmus Dahlin, and Zemgus Gergensen's with the A's. I think that's kind of what you said, isn't it? Isn't that what you predicted? Precisely. <laughs> so so that those are the three captains um i like it i mean i think we we're all expecting a post to the see i mean if we want to do a little thing on a post real quick before we get into this i mean we've done this before but shout out to this guy who just you know we, we said this i mean i forgot when this was on one episode but this guy literally went from you know signed to a saver to a long-term deal for a lot of money you know we liked him at first we we're like oh this shiny new guy from the new york islanders who's been pretty good had a really rough season with the Sabres. Everybody hated him. Everybody wanted him out. Um, I mean, just getting the brunt of it from, from fans, you know, me and you got to admit that we were, you know, just trashing this guy. Um, sticks with it, battles through injuries, and, and he comes back a, a different guy, reshapes his game as a veteran, and look at him. Now everybody's happy that he got the C. So kind of crazy how that all turned around. You got to tip the cap to the guy. Um, but anyway, opening night roster has been announced. We'll talk about, I'll, I'll announce that, and then we'll kind of dive into, dive into that. But Forwards that made the team, Skinner, Thompson, Olsen, Quinn, Middlestat, Tuck, Krebs, Cousins, Paterka, Gergensens, Asplin, Oposa, Henestrosa, and Bjork. Defensemen, Dahlin, Samuelson, Yuki Haru, Power, Bryson, Labushkin, Fitzgerald. Goalies, Anderson, Comrie, Comrie IR, Sheehan. So, thoughts? You, you go first here. On the roster? I guess on the roster. I don't know. Where do you want to start? Where, where do you want to start with this? I mean, let's start captains. I, I mean, great choices. I think it was a no-brainer with Oposo as the C. Don't need to talk about him anymore. I think we've kind of beaten that nail into the ground. Uh, you know, he's the perfect guy for the role. The only the only question I have for you on that, which I'm, again, I don't disagree with this at all. I'm just, I guess, curious, like maybe what you think and what the, their plan is. Obviously, he only has one. This is last year on his contract. Do you think they yeah. re-sign him for, for, for a low thing, or do you think he's do you think it's okay that he's if, if say he's done after this year, that's okay. He was the captain for one year, right? I mean, I, I think that's yeah, fine. I, I think for how much he's put into this franchise and the beating that he's taken from the fan base to you know the other players on the team to the billion of different coaches that he has to go through, the five different rebuilds he's been through, he's gonna have complete say as far as if he wants to come back, they'll get a deal done. And it's it's not I don't think Oposo is going to be League a minimum, maybe good. veteran minimum. No, he won't. I mean, I'm assuming he'll probably get like a two year, four million dollar contract or something like that. What? 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 Two million a year. Oh, I thought you were saying four a year. <laughs> no, no. Two, two, two by two. You, you think you think that you think he's worth two million a year? 
after this year? I think that, um, yeah, I think that he, for what he's given this team, I think that would be a fair deal for both sides. All right. I don't know if I agree with that or not, but anyway, go on. Okay. One and a half. I, th- I think that it's, they're going to, if he wants to come back, they'll find a way to bring him back at a deal. That's fair for both sides. Okay. If he's going to hang him up, that's completely his decision. And he'll hang him up. I don't think it's going to be like, he's going to go test the market and try to go to a contender or something like that. Or, you know, go try to make a bunch of, like, I think he's made enough money in this league. He's happy where he's at. I think he obviously likes being in Buffalo. If he's been still here and, now he's the captain and he seems pretty excited to be the captain. Yeah. And I think this, the ownership group, I mean, it was a slam dunk. I mean, seeing how things have gone like the NHL. And I think after the whistle has been talking, was talking about this a little bit too, on their podcast, the NHL nowadays with how it's such a young players league. And it's all about the star, like the young stars and, you know, everybody having to be so good right when they come into the league and there's, you know, there's, there's so little development, it seems like now. If you get drafted in the top 10, it's like if you're not, you know, playing top six minutes within the next two years, then you're already labeled as a bust. Um, and they're, you know, teams are just so ready to you know, go all in on these guys that they tank for, like a Jack Eichel, where it's like you automatically assume that you're throwing the C on this guy's jersey when he's what 22, 23 years old. And you know, Reve and Peters, which I know that they have some controversial stuff and I don't always agree with what they say, even though I love listening to them because I think they're entertaining, but you know, the captain in the NHL over the years have has turned into something completely different than what it used yeah. to be. It's turned into like the best player as opposed to like the best leader. Exactly. And if you look around the team, like McDavid, what he was captain, I think within the first three years of him getting signed, which I mean, now it doesn't look that crazy, but you know, imagine being a guy like, a Kyle Oposo, right? Who's been in the league for over 10 years, multiple franchises, different head coaches has kind of seen the gamut of being in an NHL. And then all of a sudden you're thrown on this team with a 22 year old kid who's just like, okay, now go lead this team. It's like, wait a second. You're telling me that I'm going to go learn from this 22 year old kid. Who's never played in the NHL before. Yeah. And he's yeah. Just cause he was unbelievable in juniors, unbelievable in college. Now you're going to tell me he's going to be the captain of an NHL team. Like it makes completely no sense when when they were spelling it out like that, and I kind of agree. Where like teams, uh, captains are so much more than just the best player. Like you can be the best player on the team without having the responsibility of being a captain. So yeah. I think this this is the perfect scenario. And even if he does leave after this year, I think the things that he's gonna the, the way that he's gonna leave the organization and the state that that he's gonna leave it in is going to be perfect for the next captain to take over. Cause I don't think outside of him, you know, maybe Gergensen's, I just don't think Gergensen's is as vocal and, you know, maybe well-spoken as an Oposo. He's pretty, he strikes me more as like, a um, the lead by example guy. Yeah. More of like a, a grinder who's like banging around the block, but he's not going to be, um, you know, giving locker room speeches or like, you know, calling you after hours and seeing like how you're doing or stuff like that. Like he's kind of like a soft spoken. I've been on this team forever. He just shows and, it on the ice. He's, exactly. He's, by he just has, he's not yeah, great work ethic um, veteran. But outside of Oposo and, and Gergens, it's like there's nobody else on this team that I would be ready to give the C to. So I think, you know, having him there in a buffer year where a guy like Darlene, who got the A, maybe he's ready to step into that role. Or, you know, a guy like 
Alex Tuck, who we've talked about, maybe he's ready to kind of take a leadership role. I, you know, gun to my head, I think a post is going to be back on a, on a very friendly deal for, you know, one or two more years, but interesting. I don't see a problem with him being captain and him only having one more year left on his contract. Yeah. And just to piggyback off that quick, like to what you were saying, I think it, it, it I think the buffer year is key. Cause it's, it's like what you were saying of giving these guys the C when they're so young. It's like we we were you know chomping at the bit to give Eichel the, the C right was, as soon as he as soon as yeah because this franchise is like awesome we got our you know our yeah. franchise player now like give him everything. But uh, and then and then when it comes to like Tuck, where obviously he's showing a lot of great leadership skills and and someone that I think could definitely do a great job at it down the line. But it's like he only has been on the team for a half a year, right? It's like it gives you this one year where if Oposo doesn't come back, where you know, everybody settles in, like you said, maybe Darlene takes that next up. He's ready or Tuck's ready for, you know, after being on the team for more than just a half a year, it gives them time to really make, like, it's a, it's a bigger, it's a big decision. Like maybe the casual fan hockey fan doesn't like realize how big a, you know, the C is in hockey. I think it's honestly out of any major sport, like the, the leadership and, and giving the captaincy to someone is the most important in hockey than it is in football and in basketball and in baseball. I think it's the, the most, um, prideful you know captaincy out of any sport would you agree with that i think it has the most history and i think it means the most i mean there's like five captains on offense defense special teams in the in the nfl mm-hmm. um it, it's just it seems like it you know the, the, the captain always gets the cup first when they win it uh it, it's always met way more in hockey it just personally i this is what i think than any other sport and i think it's a bigger decision than maybe the casual uh uh fan would, would realize and and so to your point you know these guys just getting it right off rip it just it can derail a franchise and we, and we saw it firsthand with Eichel getting it. And obviously he hasn't been the leader that we hoped he could be. He hasn't been even close to anything to that. So um, I think this makes complete sense. Uh, just everything that you said on top of a post, so just being here, grinding it out. And um, he, he clearly cares about this community. I mean, his kids, is, he's talked about it in that video where they announced him, like his kids have grown up in Buffalo now, like he cares about it and it just makes the most sense. So um, I think that's uh a good way to, you know, wrap up the captain conversation. Then we can move into the roster that was announced and, and look, you know, ahead to the, the yeah. actual season here. Um, but I think uh, in terms of the roster, I don't think it was surprising. I think the writing was on the wall. I think the big thing with the roster going into training camp was, is our Paterka and Quinn going to make the team after the past couple of weeks in preseason, it was pretty you know apparent that they were going to make the team, but um, obviously they did. And so, you know, Paterka and, and, and Quinn, the two guys, maybe that, uh, going into camp where the question marks, they, they, you know, get on the team. And, uh, I don't think there was any really surprises on this thing. And I think they, I think Granado and Adams, I think they got the right group of guys here. Um, I think the one controversy maybe that people on Twitter were talking about is pilot. They, you know, people think pilot deserved a spot on this team. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess I didn't watch enough preseason games yet, but you know, he'll get his chance if he's playing well if he's playing well in the, in Rochester and, and, you know, Bryson maybe doesn't play as well, or there's some injuries, he'll get his chance. So what? That sounds like a familiar conversation that we were having before about uh, UPL. That UPL was sent down before it even, it it even began. Kind of like pilot. I guess, I guess kind of like pilot, except pilot. So I mean, the KHL UPL has been here grinding it out for the past three years. Let's let's focus on this roster first, but yeah, I, I, I agree. Cause I, I think Bryson did have a pretty, pretty rough, uh, preseason. Um, and it it did sound like kind of like you were saying they had the roster figured out before they went into the season. I don't have any gripes with it. Um, 
if if guys are gonna suck and guys are playing well in Rochester, then I'll start having some gripes. But until you know, I see a regular season hockey game. To, it's kind of the similar with with football, right? Where sometimes you just put so much stock into preseason, and then once they throw on the pads for real, and you know you throw the skates on for real, and the games actually matter, it's completely different. You know, you throw everything out the window. Guys who looked great in preseason just suck. Guys who sucked in preseason come out great. I I I just don't know how much stock I'm going to put in these preseason hockey games especially because you don't know what the other team's looking like on their end, who's healthy, who's in the lineup. So I, you know, I'm fine with this roster. I I don't have anything where I'm like, you know, this is insane that they, you know, kept this player or they sent this guy down. I think this is exactly what I thought going into the year. Um, we'll see what happens. The thing, the it's thing an exciting that, roster. I mean, I'm excited it, it is, about it. It is a very exciting roster that I think has an extremely high ceiling and an extremely low floor. I think this can go really, really well, or we could be, you know, very demoralized by the end of the year if, if guys don't pan out because it's a roster built on high potential. I mean, that's just just what it is. I don't think a lot of these guys on the uh, on this roster have low floors, like kind of like we know what they are. I mean, outside of Skinner, Oposo, Gergensen's, and maybe uh, I, I wouldn't even put Tuck in that category yet. I, I think those are like the only three guys that you can kind of set your watch to and you know what they're going to give you. Everybody else I feel like can have a breakout year or can go in a, the complete opposite direction. I know we just, you know, gave the bag to uh, Tage Thompson. So he's going to have extremely high expectations going into this year. Um, Casey Middlestat's a guy that's going to have extremely high expectations going into this year based on where he's going to play in the lineup and kind of the leeway that he's been given and just the progression that he's kind of been on since Granado took over from uh, Kruger. And then a guy like Dylan Cousins is going to be another guy that's going to be targeted to have a breakout year. Everybody's talking about how much they love him to break. I think he's going to have a breakout year too. I'm on that that, uh, bandwagon. There's a lot of guys with a lot to prove and we're going to see what this team's made of, right? When, when guys are put into prove it situations, kind of like Tate Thompson was last year, unless he's going to be in another one this year, you can either go one or two ways where you crumble or you rise to the occasion. So we're going to have, a, we have, you know, everybody loves to talk about how sick the Sabres are going to be in a couple of years. This is going to be the season that's going to tell us if that's going to be true or not, because well, that's where these, I want to say, uh, sorry, finish your thought. Because my expectations aren't for the Sabres to be sick this year, but it's for guys to take that next step so that we can continue to have that progression to where like that can become more of a reality than just a, you know, pipe dream. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say is, and and we I've, I've preached this kind of in the off season when, when we brought up the Sabres every once in a while is that fans can't forget. We are still 100% in a rebuild right now. That doesn't mean we can't improve from last year. That doesn't mean there's going to be flashes where we look very, very good. And, and we look like a playoff team, but the fact of the matter is we still have a ton of young players on this team we're still figuring out who gels with who we're still figuring out you know we uh, the, uh, the clearly the goalie situation we have now isn't going to be the goalie situation when we, when we hopefully are very good as a hockey team so fans just need to realize that we can be exciting we can be fun to watch we can enjoy it while still you know being in this rebuild and, and you still have to be, but patient. I'd be careful i'd be careful with that i agree with what with calling it 
still in the rebuild because I don't want it to be an excuse anymore. The team is technically still rebuilding, but this what this season has the potential to be is the season to get out of the rebuild. That's true, that, but I, I just, I just, I'm just, I'm just saying that I think that, you know, I'm just saying I, you know, maybe expectations for people are, you know, playoffs and deep playoff runs. Like you can't have that expectation no. yet. I agree with that, but I think a fair expectation was improvement. You want to see improvement hockey team until the very end where it's like, we're not, we're like the last two months. We're already a limit. Like that's not, that's not a step forward. I'm talking about being competitive hockey team where you, you're actually playing games that matter in March, whether they matter to a degree where we realistically have a shot to make, like, let's just not get eliminated by February. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. let's play. And, and taking steps forward where guys have great seasons and they show that they're there to stick around. And it's kind of like the, what I was talking about with, with the year that the bills um, broke the playoff drought, but it's, it's not the same. It, you know, that, t- that team wasn't that good, but they had pieces around that they showed that they were a couple pieces away from being a very good football team. And they ended up drafting Josh Allen, drafting Tremaine Edmonds, and they got to the point where they are today. And I think this Sabres team has is kind of at that inflection point where they're kind of ready to break out of this rebuild and this season can go one of two ways where they can be a very competitive hockey team. Cousins, Middlestat, Krebs, you know, Olofsson, they can have these years that, really set them up for success and solidify themselves as core pieces to this team, or they can kind of go the other opposite way. And it's like, Holy smokes. We're in this, we're back in maybe even further in a rebuild than we thought because guys like Casey Middlestad and Peyton Krebs and other, you know, Dylan cousins aren't as good as we thought they were. And we're still, you know, five or six pieces away of of these young players develop. You know what I'm saying? It, It just has, it's such an inflection season where, yeah, I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs, but I think the expectations are, are extremely high compared to what they've been in the past, where the past is like, let's throw a product on the ice that's not embarrassing and that fans will actually want to pay a ticket to go see. Yeah, well, but I, th- I, think that's a, I think that's a good thing, though, because that, like, it's almost good. Like, you can't – it's better to have those expectations. If the fans are, like, expecting a little bit more, that means they're excited about the season and they're excited to see what, you 100%. know, this, this year in the core has. You don't want to have that expectation of us just not getting embarrassed. So I think that's why it's going in the right direction, and that's yeah, why I'm excited. Yeah, I just don't want to – I just don't want the message and, to be – this team is still rebuilding. So we're going to throw a bunch of like, there's no more excuses anymore. Like this team has to show progress. Absolutely. And, and so I think everyone understands that. I just think that you have to, you know, you, you can show progress without being, you know, you don't go from zero to hundred quick. You're not going to win the Stanley cup all of a sudden because we're excited for a team. Now you have to realize that it's still going to take a little bit of time. And, and these guys still like, we still have what we're going to have three guys on our team that are, that we think as fans are going to be part of our core for a long time. that are going to be rookies this year, right? Paterka Quinn and power are all going to be rookies this year. And they're all, if you ask me, they would be big, a big part of this team. If this team is going to be successful. So just take that as what it is. Um, so that's kind of where I was getting at, but no, you actually, you absolutely have to progress and, and, and improve. The question now turns to, we know what has to happen. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think they do improve? Do you think they do show life? I do. And do you think they do, you know, 
be in competitive games down the stretch here and show that they, you know, they're building something. Is that, is that going to, we know that has to happen. Is that, is that going to happen in your opinion? Yeah. I, and I think it brings us to the, the arguably we were just talking about how the bills and chiefs game is, is a huge measuring stick game. I'd argue the bigger measuring stick game of the week is <laughs> his sabers sen- senators opener on Thursday. I think that is a bigger measuring stick game than the Bills Chiefs game is. I think I think the first you have to take you have to take hockey different than football. I say the first three games are the are the measuring stick games. First four even. I, I mean, you I play agree. some hard. We have a hard schedule up front here, so well, that, yeah, those I mean, are going to be so some wait, hard measuring stick games. After don't we go like don't we go on like a massive West Coast trip after? Yeah, I mean we we play the games. Senators. We play the Senators for the home opener, who are going to be decently better. They're going to be better this year. Then, then we play the Panthers at home, and then we go to Edmonton. Then we go to Calgary, and then we play Vancouver, Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just saying. So that's the measuring stick week. <laughs> but I'm saying the Senators game specifically is a big measuring stick game for me because the Senators are in pretty much the same spot as the Sabres are. Yeah, it's Maybe weird with the Senators. Bit- they might be a little bit far because it's like they got Giroux, so I don't even know what they've really been trying to do. But like. Yeah, and they and they have they already have a little bit more established core like a Kachuk, um, and they just got the guy from Chicago uh, to bring it, who's young and already a stud. So I'm just, you know, this is going to be a huge measuring stick game for the Sabers. Where if they come out, and you're right, like hockey's different, where there's 82 games compared to 17 football games, so you kind of have to, you know, do it like you know what four games equals kind of one game in the NFL. But if they come out and lay a goose egg at home and, you know, get blown out for nothing, that's just going to be unacceptable. Like, you know, I'm sorry, short term, long term, any term. I'm going to be sounding all alarms. All right. So, so stop deflecting the question. Do you think they improve this year and get your juices flown for next year? The, yes. the, a successful season to me, is at the end of next at the end of the season this year, I'm I think we're making the playoffs next year. That's a successful season this year. I don't think we're gonna make the playoffs this year, but it's gonna be successful if at the end of this year I'm like, oh, a couple more moves and we're a playoff team. I would agree with that. Where you're saying going into this next summer, like going into the offseason, I'm like, okay, we do a few things make here, make a trade, yep. and then that roster can make the playoffs. Yeah. And I and and I guess I'll hop in. I I think I think they're going to be good. And 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 again, I've been the guy to preach like, hey, slow the roll, slow the roll. Like, make sure you know expectations are here. That I think they're going to be electric to watch. I think this team is going to not make the playoffs, but I think they are going to show that improvement. And I think at the end of this year, going into the summer, I'm going to be very happy with the way the season went. And I think I'm going to be a couple moves away from saying this team's a playoff team. I think I think they're gonna gel. I think the fans are gonna get back into it. That's another thing I'm looking at is that you know I'm a big fan attendance guy. Are the fans back in the stadium and, and showing that love for the game again? Like, and I and I'm and I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, man. I, I think it's gonna happen this year. I, I can't wait for the hockey to be like back and alive again in Buffalo. Like I I, I really like this core. I, I really am feeling something with this this young group here. Um, so you you go with your take, and then I also like want to get into like maybe a couple hot takes that I that I have. No, I, I agree. I think they are going to make a step forward. I think they are going to get people excited. I think the building is going to start filling up again. 
because I know that's a hot topic in Buffalo is, you know, anybody going to go watch the Sabres live anymore. But I, I do think the building is going to kind of come back to life a little bit. I think people are finally getting excited about this team. And, you know, ever since I keep saying it, ever since Kevin Adams has kind of taken over, it's kind of gotten this new vibe around the entire organization that I think people are kind of gravitating to. But I think the product is going to be better. And I think a lot of these guys are going to take steps. My biggest question mark, and I said this last podcast, it comes down to Casey Middlestat for me. Like, that's the one guy where, you know, if I was going to go walk out on a tightrope and, and put my life on the line for one guy to take a step, he'd be bottom of the list. You know, Dylan Cousins, I can even even behind even behind behind it, even behind the rookies like that's kind of, you know, what I'm saying like, yes, I'm more confident in J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn than I am in Casey Middlestad. Wow. Okay. Just from what these eyes have seen in preseason and watching those guys in the Amherst and watching Middlestad over the years. I just can't get by Middlestad skating. And that that just really scares me because there's things over the years that you can see guys get better at. Right. Like. Tage Thompson, he's always had those physical freak attributes where he's he's always had a six shot, right? He's always been six foot, whatever. He's always been a, a decent skater, but he just it took a little longer for him. It seemed like the game was moving too fast for him, right? And he finally he finally like mentally got to the point where he could let his body and mind kind of come as one. If that makes any sense, I'm knowing getting like kind of deep here, but <laughs> middle set to me just doesn't have those physical attributes where it's like, he needs to mature. Like, I think he's a mature hockey player. Like I think his game sense is actually decently solid. I just see, I don't know if he can ever win a battle when we need him to. He just, or- here's the thing with middle stat is he needs to realize that he can't do the same things that he did at Minnesota and that he did at the world juniors when he was taking over the world. He needs to realize there's guys in the NHL. You it's not the same game as when you were dominating, you progress into a, a certain role. That's why some guys, obviously everybody that makes the NHL is an unbelievable player. There's some guys that fit into a third line role. Cause that's what they can do in the NHL. They're not good enough yeah. to be a, a top six guy. There's some guys that change their game drastically where there's goal scorers and juniors and they're, and they're scrappers and fighters on the fourth line in the NHL because they're big guys and that's what they can do. Middlestat has to realize his role on the team. He's playing. He's gonna well, what playing. is his role then? He's, he's going to be playing. I was just going to say, he's going to be playing off the rip right now is what we think is with Quinn and, and Alex Tuck. Both yeah, that's very second fast, line. Both very fast players. Middlestat has to realize he has to just simplify his game, not do too much. He needs to, you know, be kind of that guy in the middle of that line to get those guys going, feed those guys, let them play with their speed. He has to simplify his game and he has to realize his role. And, and, and that's what I'm going to be looking out for, for him. He can't be trying to dangle and, and, but and I don't know. Is that blow by you, guys? And is that he needs to be a solid two way forward center? I, I think be- you can, I think you can absolutely win. And, and, and again, I don't think this, I don't think the Sabres, this, the Sabres roster at their full potential is a, this is my top two lines. This is my third line. This is my fourth line. You have a line of Paterka Cousins and and uh, Krebs that, like I said, I think they're going to be rolling a lot one through four, one through three. There's teams out there, man, that you well, it's getting to that point be- where it's in the NHL. It's not as much 
distinct between top six and, and bottom six. There still obviously is that, but with this team and their full potential, dude, I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if that Paterka line, if they're playing better, Granado's going to play them more than the middle set line. Like that's just a hundred percent. If if that Skinner line isn't playing good, they're not going to play as well. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think it's as much as a second line center. I think you can, if you go into the season with that label on him, you're going to be disappointed. I think. No, I know. I'm just, when I, when I say second line center, to me in the NHL, you need you need to have two lines that are consistently going and scoring goals on a nightly basis, right? Like all these good, all the good teams, you can pencil in two lines that are always going to be humming and putting up points, whether that you call it a first line, a third, line, whatever. Well, and I think I you think- can build this team where there's three lines, right? That that maybe they're not, that that one can fill in for the other if it's not humming. I think that's the way they're trying well, to build no, this but team. My my point is the middle six of these forwards is such a question mark to me and where I could see, I, I think there's just going to be a lot of mumble jumble in those, in those, in that middle area there. And it could be. Yeah. I mean, off the, off the, I, especially I'm, the I'm beginning confident of the season. in that first line to score between Skinner and Thompson. And I guess Olsen's playing there now, but I, I think that line's not going to have problems scoring goals. And I think the fourth line is going to contribute when they need to contribute. I just don't think, no, I, I shouldn't say I don't think it's going to be interesting to see how this middle stick six plays out. And if we can find a combination that's going to consistently score out of those middle six forwards and yeah. see who's going to be kind of emerge from the pack. Yeah, well, that, that and that's the other thing is, is Granado historically and he's come out and said this. And if you watch the Sabres, you know this Granado shuffles his lines a lot. If something's not working, he's shuffling his lines. So after the first couple of games, don't be surprised if you come into practice, even after the auto game, even if they win. And, and he didn't like something, don't be surprised if those lines are shuffled. So I think at the beginning half, beginning third of the season, even more than normal, you're going to see those lines shuffle a lot, even if they're maybe winning, right? Like he, he's always looking for something different. That's something I've noticed with Granado is he, he does shuffle those lines a lot. He, it doesn't take him a lot um, to really mix, mix things up. So we'll see how it works. Like you said, you got to find the right combination. Um, but, but back to my original point is middle stat has to, has to find his role, has to simplify his game, not try to do too much. And he's going to be playing alongside guys that are pretty skilled, I think. And so he, he's got to know his role within that, within that team, um, to be successful. Um, moving on quick. I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, we'll you wrap, hot up takes. Here, wrap up here soon. Yeah. I just had some bold predictions for the season. I don't know if you had any. I don't, if you want to throw something out there, your X factor, maybe something like that. But my 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 bold predictions um, is that one, I think Owen Power will be Calder contention this year. He will be a finalist. That's not the- that hot of a take, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Take my take of the season. Then Call, uh, Owen Power will be a top three. He he will be a candidate at the Vegas Awards or wherever they're you know. The, the NHL awards, he will be a uh, finalist for Calder, which I mean, I mean, if that happens, I, I, maybe it's not a hot take. I think that's a pretty good prediction, though. Um, and then my second one is this. I think this one is a little bit hotter um, and and maybe you've seen it coming. I think you saw it coming. If, if you listen to this podcast, you probably know. I think UPL is getting called up to this team at some point, and I think he's going to be great. He had an unbelievable preseason. This guy last year played for the Sabres and he played very good. He got injured, unfortunately, and he played better for the Sabres than he did for the Amherst. Every time that he's played in the NHL, he's performed better at the NHL level than the AHA level. I think that he's ready to make the leap. I think Comrie can be good. I, 
maybe maybe this is bad of a hot take because maybe if he gets called up, that means the goalies aren't performing very well. But Comrie let up seven goals in the last preseason game, which granted, I know the Pittsburgh Penguins played their A squad, Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, they were all playing. The Sabres played their C squad. He still let up seven goals. That's not good. I think UPL gets a chance in the NHL, and I think he runs with it. And I think that, you know, everyone's talking about Levi and Portillo potentially, which I think they're going to be great. And I think Levi, you know, particularly is going to be great, hopefully for this team. But I think UPL has a future on this team. And I think he's just someone that, you know, has gotten slid under the rug and people maybe forgotten about a little more. And and maybe you disagree with me on that, but I, I really think that going into camp, he had no shot at making the team regardless of how good he played. You, you know, you told me that, Hey, if he plays well enough, he'll be on the Sabres. It was just never going to happen. It, it was never UPL. It was never, it was never <laughs> UPL on the Sabres to start the season. And, you know, I feel for the guy and, 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 and listen, maybe he doesn't perform as well, like on the Amherst to start the year in, in terms of numbers wise. But I think that when he gets called up, he's going to do well. That's just, and I think that happens. So at wait, some what's point your take year. that UPL is going to get called up or what? Yeah, that he gets called up at some point this year, and he and he does very well for the Sabers, and he and he almost establishes himself as a as a starter for this team. That that's my that's my. Okay, uh, so your take, take is UPL. that UPL will establish himself as the starting goalie going into next year. Yeah, yeah. I, no, not necessarily next year because I guess I mean with leave. I'm just saying he's going to get called up this year and establish himself as the starter this year. He's going to be the first. You know, Anderson will be second fiddle to him. He's going to be playing. So by you know, the end of the year. UPL will be the consensus starter for the That's Sabres. my bull prediction for uh for the for the year. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like that prediction. I, I hope you're right. I've never been a UPL detractor. <laughs> I was just telling you realistically. No, you were telling me he had a chance a chance to make the team out there, but it was but it was never it was never UPL. <laughs> he did have a chance. <laughs> it was never UPL. I mean, he played on the label, communists of seven. Well, um, I'm telling you right now, the starter is gonna be Anderson. That's so, fine. I mean, I think they're going to, I'm thinking they're going to, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to split. And, and, a little and bit. I, I think it was a good decision because if your starter is going to be Anderson, you want UPL playing, right? Kevin Adams has come out and said that. And we're not going to get into UPL discussion, but I like him playing hockey games. And if it's going to be in the Amherst to start the year, so be it. He's going to get games in. My hot take, I think. Maybe a hotter of a take for Calder would have been like Paterka's Calder finalist, but I'm still sticking by uh, power. I don't know if this is a hot take. I think Jack Quinn scores over 25 goals. I'd say that's uh, I'd say that's pretty like that's 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 got some heat to it. I'd say that's a good year, man. Yeah, I mean, 20 20, over 25 goals could put you in Calder consideration. I think I it would, man. I think, I think it does. Depends, I mean, obviously, yeah. compare, but I mean, if you look at the the guys from last year, I think it's probably right around that. So, yeah, I I really liked what I saw out of him out of on preseason. I love him playing with Alex Tuck. I think Alex Tuck is just your classic guy that makes you so much better when you play with him. I don't know what it is, but I think it's his playing style, his. Absolutely. You know, work ethic. I think that he he elevates lines and he elevates players. So I like I like Quinn to score over 25. Um and yeah, I I, I think that's that I think that's my hot take of the year is Jack Quinn will be will score over 25. And I also think that I don't know how to how to measure this or anything, but I think 
I guess my second hot take is I think Samuelson will solidify himself as the number one shutdown defender on this team. I, like I don't it. know. I don't know if that's like a, it's. I don't know how you measure that, but I think like going into going into next. I mean, year, I think you can measure like maybe you know by the end of the year he's matched up with all the number one lines that kind of. That's thing. what I mean. Like going into next summer and going into next year, people are like already saying you know Samuelson's pair is going to be playing against the you know the the number one line for the other team kind of on a nightly basis, and he's going to yeah. just you know eat up monster minutes on a nightly basis. Yeah, I like it. I like both of those. Um, last thing before we sign off, uh, I guess just like predict, like end of the year predictions are like play. We'll go like playoff prediction. Um, I don't know if you want to do like points or something, but just like to round it out here, what are you thinking? Like playoffs, no playoffs, go. Uh, no, no playoffs. Yeah, I'm with you. I got no playoffs. Uh, the team finished 32, 39, 11 for 75 points last year. I'm saying no playoffs, but I say, I'm, I'm going to say that they get 85 plus points. Um, so that's 10 more points than last year. Um, maybe that's not too lofty of a goal, but I think 10 points is a, it's a pretty good amount in the NHL. I mean, yeah, I think they finish. I'm going to say they finish over 500. Wow, dude, if they finish over 500, they're in the playoffs. Really? 100%. Dude, 100%. I mean, the, if you look at the, the Western Conference last year, which I get we're in the East, but Western Conference, bro, you're right around 500. If you're... The stars were under 500 if you're including overtime losses last year and they made the playoffs. If they are, if they're over 500, no, man, sorry, I meant that I meant over 500 only take like only looking at wins and losses, not taking overtime losses into account. Yeah, they're still making the playoffs if that's the case. Well, I think they go 500 wins and losses. Okay, so Ethan, but I don't them. think they make the playoffs, so they'll be nipping. Okay. Let me let me just see something real quick. Um, so last year the Islanders, so in the East the Islanders were thirty seven, thirty five, and ten. So you're saying you don't you're not counting those overtime losses? Yeah. So and the, thir- and- I, I think they'll have more wins than losses. You throw overtime losses in the garbage. So okay. they would have like the Islanders here last year. Okay. That and the thing is like and the Islanders still missed the playoffs by like twenty five points or like twenty like. 15 points, which is crazy. It's just the East was those eight teams last year in the East were the ones that were going to make the playoffs, which and is they crazy. Still are going to be. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at the standings right real quick. We got to wrap this see. up. Yeah. Less than a minute here. Um, all right. Yeah. That'll, that'll do it here for, uh, for this podcast loaded one episode 154. Thank you guys for tuning in. Go bills, go Sabres as always. And we will catch you next time. Peace.